Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two of the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Keep those texts rolling in. 960, 960, name and location. What's the best part about Calgary sports fans and what's the worst part of Calgary sports fans? We'll read those, at, I think, at the top of the hour. Maybe we'll mix in some calls, Maddie. Sprinkle in some phone calls. Hooray. On the best and worst part of Calgary sports fans. And at the bottom of the hour, Jeff Erickson, Rotowire senior editor, host of Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today on Sirius XM. But right now, he is a senior NHL writer at ESPN. We say good morning to Greg Wyshynski. Wish, how are you? I'm great, thanks. I would say the best thing for me, I'm not a Calgary sports fan, but if I were, I would say the jerseys. Those jerseys are so unique. Oh, the red hey. ones, I mean, with the flaming C on them. I think those jerseys are so unique in the landscape of sports um, that I'm, I'm sometimes jealous okay. of, of how unique they are. In a, in a world of, you know, generic red and black jerseys and boring logos and, you know, logos from teams that were invented in 1919 that probably could use a refresh. Like the <laughs> Calgary logo and, and jersey kit is amongst the best things in hockey, I think. Uh, I love that wish. Um, what did you think of the Seattle uh, Kraken mascot? And can I just share you my quick take on them? Uh, to me, it looks yeah, like yeah. it. To me, it looks like if Sailor Moon and Shrek had a child, it will look like the Seattle <laughs> Kraken mascot. <laughs> I, you know, I was going back and forth with my my new colleague Ryan Clark, who is uh, with ESPN now. He was with the Athletic. He covered Seattle for them, and he was there. He wrote a story about the unveiling and everything. And when he told me it was going to be a troll, I said to him, I said, well, that's, that's not going to work. I'm, he's like, why? I'm like, well, because they're the Kraken. Like, everybody's expecting it to be something nautical, you know, a, a squid or a giant tentacle or someone who looks like Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies or some such. And I said, people aren't going to like it but based on the fact that it's not something nautical, which they didn't. The other thing about it, though, that I found really interesting is that, you know, it's sort of unfair that Gritty has raised the bar so high for um, every other mascot and every other true. sport. In fact, I, I would venture to say the two most famous things about the National Hockey League in, in the United States right now are, one, the Stanley Cup, and two, Gritty. But this <laughs> Bowie thing comes out, and I think the problem is is that they, they tried to make it look distinct, but in the end, it's very generic, and I was sort of bummed about it. Like, the Kraken have done a lot of things to really sort of set themselves apart. My goodness, the, the name is the Kraken. They have a tentacle for their logo and such. I felt the troll was really generic, and I was kind of disappointed yeah. by it. I thought, I thought if you're going to go with a troll, like make it maybe make it eight feet tall. Like, wouldn't that be fun? Like, like yeah. make an ogre more than a troll. Do something with it, but it was a little bit generic, and I was kind of let down by it. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, we did a we did a story yesterday, wish about uh, the most watchable. What's the watchability ranked teams in the NHL? Who the most exciting teams are? Uh, number one was the Avalanche. Number two was the Lightning. Number three was the Leafs. The Calgary Flames here were number six, and dead last wish was the Philadelphia Flyers as the team you don't want to follow this season in the NHL. What is your maybe top two or three most watchable teams heading into the season? I would probably put Chicago in that too, towards the bottom. Um, Arizona would be there for a lot of people, but I think that that whole thing with the Arizona State University bit is going to make them actually pretty exciting like i think there's a there's a possibility there's a there's a reality in the multiverse where they get off to a good start people see what happens at asu and then they become kind of like the pet team of the league is i don't know if it'll happen but it's a possibility uh florida's probably still up there i'm not quite sure what the paul maurice influence will 
be on the way that they play. But every Florida game last year was incredible, not only because they scored at the clip they scored at, but also because they gave up a lot of goals and frequently had to like score a bunch of goals in the third period to get out of the hole they dug. Like they were a really, really exciting team. Um, I'd say sneakily, uh, Detroit and Ottawa would be on that list for me. Um, I think in Detroit's case, they just sort of had that great mix of young players and, and now guys like David Perron that are there that could really make that team a little bit exciting. And then, you know, the buzz around Ottawa, every, every camp I visited, uh, people are, are, you know, coaches and GMs are, are really interested to see what Ottawa ends up looking like insofar as that assemblage of talent. But I think your top teams are pretty solid. I, I'm not sure if you really missed anybody. Um, I, I would probably maybe throw Vegas in there for the soap opera of it all. <laughs> you mm. know, bad goaltending, Jack Eichel, a team that all of a sudden is teetering on the brink of maybe not seizing the moment that it had. Um I think there's there's a certain watchability towards teams that, you know, may not necessarily be on the upward trajectory that uh, could be under consideration too. Well, I think one of the things that you you look for there is the personalities, and that's why when we were talking about it, Philadelphia is an interesting one. Like all the videos of them at camp are just their players getting bag skated by John Tortorella. <laughs> he's he's just ripping on the players all the time. Like I think that there's going to be maybe a bit of watchability to that team just based on perhaps the idea of not being able to look away from a train crash. See, this is the problem though with that. Like when you talk about that team, you have to, you have to bring, you have to bring the other side of the coin, which is, yeah, you're going to have John Tortorella behind the bench. You're going to have him in the press conferences talking about a team that shouldn't be very good. And he's already talking about, you know, trying to whip the locker room into shape and things like that. So we know, we know he's going to go full torch at some point, but on the other hand, you have to watch a George, a John Tortorella team which, you know, as someone who watched a lot of the Rangers and watched a lot of the Blue Jackets, uh, is not always the most aesthetically pleasing version of the game, especially when I think one of his, you know, main thrusts of coming there as a coach is to try to solidify the front in front of Carter Hart um, and, and, and get that guy's career back on track. So I'm not sure aesthetically on the ice it's going to be the most exciting team, but obviously in every other way, John Tortorella mixed in with a struggling Flyers team in that market is going to be great. I think one of the signs that the preseason in full swing is that we are discussing stories such as that and stories such as advertisements, um, like the new video boards that we might be seeing on broadcasts in the future. I know you had a story about these recently that um, created a, a little bit of conversation on Twitter. Uh, could you just give us an idea of, of what might be coming and, and your thoughts on how it could maybe affect a viewing experience? Well, that's just it. I mean, it's not might be, it's will be. Every, every game that you see on television is going to have virtual boards for the most part. I mean, the only reason it won't is if they haven't sold the inventory and then they decide to like flip the switch and go back and show you the regular boards. Um, basically, the technology is erase and replace technology, which means that if you're in the arena and you're looking at the advertisements on the boards, they're, they're there, like they're physically there. If you're watching from home, they're going to use CGI technology to overlay other advertisements on top of those advertisements. So what that means is that, for example, if, uh, if the Devils visit the Flames uh, and I'm watching the game in Jersey, instead of seeing ads for Canadian Tire and Pizza Pizza and all that stuff, uh, I'm going to see local Jersey ads or, or local or, or, or national American advertisers. So that's kind of the, the gist of it. Uh, it goes well beyond that into some really interesting territory involving international rights. And like, if you're watching a game in Finland, now all of a sudden the sports book for Finland is on the board instead of like DraftKings or whatever. And then 
The other really interesting part of it is where the technology could eventually lead. Um, in the World Cup of Hockey back in 2016, when a player would score a goal, they were experimenting with technology where the, the boards would like light up and there'd be like animations and fireworks and stuff. And they're not quite there yet with it, but that's kind of where they're heading. So in game, you could see advertisements, you could see different things, you could see stats, you could see all the stuff. Um, but it's the future, man. It's, it, it's what they're doing now. And, and I think it's going to take some adjustment uh, for fans watching these games because the boards are a little bit brighter and a little bit cleaner and a little bit more vibrant than we're normally used to seeing when we watch a hockey game on television. Well, Wish, if you complain about the salary cap in the NHL, isn't this a necessary evil? Hockey-related revenue, we know Gary Bettman loves that term, and if you're going to put new advertisements on the board, it just means another revenue stream for the NHL, hence that money goes up, and eventually the salary cap goes up, and then your team can keep all of their players. Like, Is that an easy sell for the NHL to kind of spin it that way? It is, and I and I also think it's a, gener- a generational thing too. Like for me, as as a fan, I'm still getting used to seeing the CGI ad on the glass behind the net. Like it's bothersome to me. Like I still don't think it belongs there, and I'm sure that my eyes will be, um, you know, a little slow on the on the uptick to accept the CGI advertising on the boards too, because I've been watching hockey all my life. I know what it's supposed to look like, and now it looks like something different. We're dealing with other generations, Gen Z and Zoomers and everyone else that. Have, are, are going to be watching games through their phone when they're at a game. Like, they're going to literally have the phone in front of their face, watching the game, seeing real-time stats pop up on the video as they watch the game. And so their experience with, with televised sports is a lot different than ours. They grew up with all of the CGI doodads during a Major League Baseball game, like the strike box and things like that. They're going to grow up with the, the ads being on the boards changing every 30 seconds, which, by the way, is another thing we're going to have to get used to, is the, the ads on the boards literally changing during play because they sell it in 30 second increments. So I agree. Like, you know, we have to face facts that they're going to squeeze every bit of revenue out of the sports they can, whether it's ads on jerseys or CGI ads on boards. And I think for a lot of us that have been watching hockey for a long time, it's going to be a different acclimation than it will be for someone who's coming to the game, say, within the last five years. Greg Wachinski, senior NHL writer at ESPN, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, The Fan Wish. Are the Calgary Flames better now than when they were losing to the Edmonton Oilers? <laughs> so maybe a little bit better on the back end. I like Uyghur a lot, um, and I think that this is a change that will do him good. Um, you know, I, I, I just think the world of him, I think that, you know, he deserves a, a lot of credit for, for what Aaron Ekblad had become with the Florida Panthers. Um, as far as up front goes, it's tough, man. Like I, I, I know we're we're like, okay, so they you know, they lost a gritty guy in, in Kachuk, they brought in a gritty guy in Kadri, um, and that kind of you know, sort of check the box thing. I still think that up front obviously it's really hard to replace Kadrow and Kachuk. I don't think there's any secret about that. But I do think that the addition of Uyghur in the in the equation at least makes this a conversation as to whether or not they're better. Uh, now than they than they were last year, but you know I think the world of Hubert, I think he's a fantastic player. I'm really excited to see what a, a line you know w- with with him on the top line with Lindholm could look like. And I think obviously I'm excited to see if if Toffoli really benefits from that trio too, if that's what they end up doing. Um, but I would still say that I would take last year's version over this year's version just because of how much uh, offense was generated by uh, by Goudreau and Kachuk. How does Daryl Sutter maybe factor into that conversation for you? 
Insofar as what? Insofar as... As far as being able to get these guys acclimated and worked into a system as fast as possible. Because when you're working with new players, it's always a challenge. But, you know, you got one of the most experienced and kind of winning as coaches in NHL history as the bench boss. Well, that, that and, and then there's proof of concept for him to be able to take a disparate kind of collection of talent and, and, and bring them into that system when he was in Los Angeles. I mean, you think about the amount of, of guys that came to the Kings while Sutter was the coach and the amount of guys that came from many, many different situations, whether it was Richardson Carter, whether it was Gabrick, you know, all these players that, that came from across the league, veteran guys to play in a Daryl Sutter system. And, and for the, I would, you know, his hit rate was pretty high <laughs> as far as, as far as guys fitting into that, that King's environment and fitting into his system and, and fitting into the, the team um, overall. So, yeah, I, I would say having a coach like that is, is a real benefit in a situation like this, but I would also say it's a real benefit in the sense that, you know, this boat got rocked, man. Like I give Brad for living all the credit in the world for trying to, you know, plug up the holes in the ship as, as Kachuk and Goudreau left, because I think he did a hell of a job doing it. Um, but having a steadying presence like, like Daryl Sutter, um, you know, coach of the year guy that, that can come in, that can be there and be a steadying presence for your team um, is, is essential when you have the kind of upheaval that the Flames had. Are you still as excited for the Battle of Alberta matchups that we're going to see with, you know, Cassian's now in Arizona. Kachuk's now in Florida. There's there's some key <laughs> pieces to that rivalry that are no longer around. Yeah, we're we're gonna need some new accelerant, right? We're gonna need some 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 somebody who can pour a little gasoline on the ice and and, and light a match because a lot of those guys aren't in this fight anymore. But no, man, it, it, it's such an incredible rivalry. I, I, I you know I've seen a lot of projections for the Pacific, and and not many of them. Uh, lack Edmonton and Calgary in the top two spots in that division this season. And so as long as the two teams are good and as long as the stakes are as high as they are, I mean, there's going to be an intensity and there's going to be nonsense that happens in these games. And and it's a glory to see. I mean, I think in in short order, uh, the Battle of Alberta has returned to prominence as the NHL's best rivalry at a time when Pittsburgh and Washington is kind of in their graceful, (laughs) graceful twilight period. I mean, Ovi and Sid are friends now, for goodness sake. We can't really say that's the most intense rivalry anymore. Uh, and then, you know, for a second, we had the Sharks and Vegas uh, really become an intense rivalry in that division. Uh, but then, obviously, that cooled off with uh, with both teams' fortunes kind of changing. So I, I don't think there's another rivalry in hockey right now that compares to the Battle of Alberta, and, and rightfully so. It's two teams that don't like each other that also are vying for the same position in the division. Uh, we're sticking uh, to kind of around here. Um, which team is going to be better this season, the Canucks or the Jets? Yeah, I saw one projection for the Jets at the playoff team. It was the first one that I saw, and it kind of rocked me a little bit because I don't think that's going to be the case. <laughs> um, no, I think I think the Canucks will be better than the Jets. Um, I think they're they're interesting in, in the case of of both teams having you know an elite goaltender that's going to gobble up the majority of starts. Um, and I think, you know, Halibut's coming off a, a rare down season, so I'm excited to see what his bounce back's going to be. Much like I'm excited to see how many games Thatcher Demko plays, <laughs> because I think he might be one of the best things about that Canucks team, uh, especially a team that, that lacks a little bit of, of defensive structure. So I'm wondering if they just, you know, run him into the ground towards the end of the season to try to, you know, scare up a playoff spot. But, you know, Bruce Boudreau is a great coach. I'm not as high on Rick Bonus. I think Bonus is, is a guy that comes in there to maybe crack a few skulls and, and break up the, 
the leadership group in the locker room versus really being a great tactician. Um, and there's no arguing with, Boudreau, with Boudreaux's regular season success. So I would say I would say Vancouver outkicks the covers a little bit on on Winnipeg, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if if neither of them end up making the playoffs. It's going to be really tough, man, in the West. Like Edmonton and Calgary are are fine, I think. Um, but then you look at the Central Division, and are they going to go five deep? Like, are both the wild cards going to come from the Central? Mm-hmm. When you see how stacked that group is with with Colorado and St. Louis and Minnesota, and then you've got yourself, you know, Nashville and Dallas behind them. It's going to be interesting to see where the Pacific ends up if they get if they get a fourth team or not. So, who do you like for that third spot? In the- third spot in the Pacific then? Are you uh, more of a Kings believer or Golden Knights, or would you go a different direction? No, I'm a Golden Knights believer. Like, mm. uh, First of all, I, I don't think their goaltending is going to be as bad as we think it is. We actually put up our, our goalie tier, uh, probably tiers, our goalie tandem ranking uh, today on ESPN, and I, and I spoke to a lot of goaltending experts around the league and coaches and others, and, and got a sense that you know I think a lot of people would have Vegas in like the, the, the bottom three right now, because Lander got hurt. They're like 24th, which isn't great, <laughs> but hmm. it's better than where I think a lot of people would put him. Logan Thompson has got a lot of faith in that guy, and Aiden Hill could, could help out. I think they're going to be one of these teams that will get just enough goaltending, um, and if they remain healthy, I mean, my God, like they, they would have been a playoff team last year were it not for the injuries at the end of the season. Like The Kings were definitely the benefit, uh, got the benefit of, of Mark Stone being hurt and some of the other things that happened with that team. So the, the band is back together up front and on D, for the most part. And so I, I'm, I'm thinking Vegas gets back in in the third spot um, with just enough goaltending to get through. Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer at ESPN. Wish, always great stuff. Thanks for this. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Um, Sailor Moon and Shrek. Yeah, I know. I think it's pretty accurate <sighs> I for the new I... Seattle mascot. I think it's pretty accurate as well. Turns out that the, there is that big troll under the bridge. The big Fremont troll in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That I guess they've taken some some sort of. Oh uh, oh oh, this so, guy. Okay, so okay, that's great. So now they actually decide to do something with their city. There's no such thing as a kraken anywhere near Seattle. Like the kraken originated in like the UK. Like there isn't a kraken that swam all the way from the English Channel to go into Seattle. And then, like, jump onto the beach and, like, grip a hockey stick. Wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean happened. in Puget Sound when they did the, yeah. the Kraken movie? Well, Wasn't been the that sockeye. In... Salmon's a tough fish, man. It swims upstream and stuff. But Kraken was, above all, the best option that they had for the name. Yeah, I guess. It was the coolest. Okay. It has the best marketing ability. Yeah. And you're right on the water, so, like, it's not even that much of a stretch. Okay. But now they decide to do something locally. That's all I'm saying. But I also, like, just because this guy's under a bridge doesn't mean you should really. This thing's pretty freaky, man. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. Well, cool public art. Yeah. That's but, terrifying. That's on the, Troll Avenue. But the Troll huh, itself. The troll Avenue. N- really? Not so much. Creative. Um, I teased this early on. Uh, got a couple minutes here. I want to ask our technical director, uh, Alex Brody, a question. Mm. Um, yesterday he asked me because yesterday was get to know George and he asked me if esports were actually a sport and I said hell to the no it is Yes, you can just sit there and sweat on a couch uh, not being, a lot of sweating 
Well, no, there's some sweating. There. It's like clammy hands. Yeah, if you're horribly out of shape, maybe you were, maybe you get a lather on <laughs> while you're playing like NHL. You're playing in like 38 degree weather, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No AC. So apparently, this was enormous news yesterday. Dream. Mm-hmm. This is this guy's name. Dream. Uh, he's a Minecraft YouTuber. Has 30 million subscribers. Oh. On YouTube. Oh. Yeah. 32 mil? Yeah. Apparently, the way it works is you get like 0.5 of a cent for every view Mm -hmm. on YouTube. That's how it works. The payment structure works, I believe. So apparently, this guy um, revealed his face for the first time in eight years yesterday, and it made big news around the gaming world. So Alex Brody, our technical director, gamer, esports fan. Are you dream? I, yeah. Does can, what? Can you explain why does this even matter? Okay, so I can confirm I'm not Dream. Um, okay. And just to add a bit more context, like this guy, some of his top videos on YouTube have over 100 million views. That's absurd. Um, but I think the big thing here is there's a bit of a gap between like an esports athlete. I'm using you can't see me, but don't I'm using that. quotations. Yeah, you, yeah do don't do. I can. Um, I, I saw his right hand. Okay. So. Um, but so this guy's more of like a content creator, but the like his oh, audience boy. is massively like the younger kids because it's Minecraft, right? It's a bit more of a, a content family friendly game. Okay. Um, and this guy blew up like a couple years ago just from his Minecraft speed runs, which you could argue is an esport. I personally don't think this is necessarily an esport. I think it's more content creation, but okay. this was a big deal to see his face uh, going that long as like a public figure without anybody seeing it reading well big deal maybe uh how you interpret (laughs) if if i hit this guy with my car on the way out of the radio station i would not know who this guy is wouldn't want to do that but when it comes to this guy there's some controversy attached Uh, to this guy right uh oh alex is apparently he's a cheater cheater pumpkin eater correct Uh oh yeah apparently he used so I'm not going to go into depth about how Minecraft speedruns work. Yeah, um, please don't. But basically, it was <laughs> it was alleged that he was kind of using some some kind of like cheats to kind of help him oh. achieve these speedruns. This guy's using mods. This yeah, a, this guy's weak. And some of his videos, like they almost seemed too good to be true, and that's kind of why he got so many views was because he did these outrageous things in Minecraft that you would never see. I didn't know there was a story in Minecraft. I thought it was just build things. So yeah, like there's a <laughs> there's a speedrun community for anything. Like okay. really, any game you name, there's a speedrunning see? community mm. for it. Huh. So Look at the I did stuff know we're that. Learning. Yeah, I did know that. Uh, his 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 gamer name is Dream. What would be yours? Mine. Yeah, it's Raddy Schmoes. Right. Oh, okay. Schmoes. Whoa. Okay. I like it. I didn't need to think about it. I've yeah, had that, that one going for a like, long time. Is that your gamer tag? Holstered. Yeah. Nice. It's like, yeah. Uh, actually, no, that's not my gamer tag. Your PSN network uh, ID? It's, it's the uh, it's the handle I use on NHL. Ah, oh. Okay. Okay. Raddy Schmoes. You can show your face. This guy did it yesterday for the first time in eight years, and it was big, big news. Yeah, it has like, the tweet has like over 700,000 likes. Does absurd. he have something weird on his face? Is he like an yeah, old dude? Yeah, he had like looking this, dude. Yeah, he huh. had this like uh, happy face thing as yeah, his avatar so. and he was known for that and then he actually showed his face for the first time yesterday. He kind of got ripped though pretty hard, but, which I, I felt bad for. He's, a, he's, a, he's like, an alright looking guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it's not like thought. he's a ghoul or something. You're like, oh, no wonder you were hiding yourself. He's not like uh, <laughs> Bowie the Troll. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, he's... Uh, later on this hour, I'm going to tell you why 
Uh, well done. Later on this hour, I'll tell you why you probably don't want to be in Guy Fieri's entourage. Like, you probably don't want to be in Guy Fieri's. <laughs> You're going to tell me why? Like, I, I needed another reason? Well, I I'm, just... I'm going to give you a good one. Okay. Uh, we'll do that to wrap up this hour. Uh, we'll talk to Jeff Erickson. Some fantasy football straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, and to wrap up this hour, uh, we'll tell you why it's probably not a good thing to be a part of Guy Fieri's entourage. Hooray. But right now, Jeff Erickson, Rotowire senior editor, host of Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today for Sirius XM. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Doing well. Yourselves? No, we're good. Um, Jeff, if you own anybody on the LA Rams outside of Cooper Cup, how are you feeling this morning? Frustrated. Very frustrated. Bamboozled. Surprised. Um, I actually, and, and wishing I would have paid more attention to the offensive line in the offseason, too, because it's clearly an issue. Uh, it's been a problem all season long. We saw it on opening night. We saw it again last night. They can't protect Stafford very well. He doesn't go through the progressions quite well. So he, he goes to Cup, and then he goes to Cup again. I think if you're a Tyler Higby uh, manager, you're probably all right, too. But, uh, you know, I have Allen Robinson in some key leagues, and that one's killing me right now. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in the same. And, and you're telling me that there's probably not a secondary option on the Rams there then. Hey, it's just about time where I'm thinking it's about – it's about that opportunity where I should probably look elsewhere. Yeah, uh, I'll be. I'm not going to cut Robinson in my leagues, but I'm going to. I'm going to. He's going to sit on the bench and think about what he's done. Hmm. Put him in timeout. I like that. Exactly. What about the 49ers? Debo Samuel is such a monster. Yesterday, uh, another humongous game. Is there uh, any way that you would look at him as as someone that? Is someone that you could trade for right now, or is that cost just going to be way too high? Uh, yeah, you, ne- you never trade right off their, their best game or an elite game like this, especially in an island game like this where everybody is watching. Uh, maybe if you do it on a normal Sunday afternoon or something like that, uh, after that, maybe you'll get the idea that people aren't really paying that close attention. But, uh, I mean, we all know who Debo is. He was going in the second round in everybody's draft uh, for a reason. Uh, if he dropped to the third, it was an anomaly. Uh, it's going to be tough to trade for him. But, you, I mean, if you have depth at running back and you'll be one of, like, six people in fantasy football that does have depth <laughs> at running back right now, uh, sure, go ahead and make that trade. Uh, but you're not going to pull off Miles Sanders for Debo Samuel. People know what, they're, what we're looking at here. Um, funny trade after four weeks of the season. Jonathan Taylor, a lot of people's number one overall pick in drafts, has been a little underwhelming, still putting up okay numbers, still a top six, five running back in the league, but are you keeping Jonathan Taylor or you should try to trade for Jonathan Taylor, Jeff? Um, I mean, I, I think it's tough to trade for him this week, but this is the week to do it. Uh, even though he, he might not play Thursday. That's the thing is, you, you know, if you want to pull off a deal where you're buying low on Jonathan Taylor, this is it. Cause I, I don't think the skill set has changed. The health has changed a little bit there. You're worried about the ankle a little bit, the short turnaround. He may not play Thursday in Denver. Oh, excuse me. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I think that he's probably uh, someone that's going to be really big down the stretch. So I, I think uh, he's he's a guy that uh, I would look to try to find and see if I could get a deal on him. If not, I mean, you know, if, you know I wouldn't pay the sticker price for him. Um, you, you know, you, you might get a lot of people, though, who are like, oh, I drafted him first overall. What a bust. I've, I've seen that a little bit there, but I, I think you can. So there is a possibility of a deal out there. 
The other running back that I think a lot of people are monitoring, uh, especially ahead of the waiver wire, is Javante Williams, second year back for the Denver Broncos, tore his ACL over the weekend, done for the year. If you're a Javante Williams owner, how are you kind of handling the waiver wire today, especially knowing that Melvin Gordon still remains in the backfield in Denver? Right, and uh, Mike Boone got got some touches. They just claimed uh, Latavius Murray off the Saints practice squad, so uh, there's it's a three-headed monster. Murray's a veteran, played on in the London game, and actually looked okay. So he could jump in pretty quickly. Running backs usually don't take that long to adapt to a system. Probably won't play this week because of the short week. But uh, I would go after Boone. I'd go after the, the Falcons' Tyler Algier with the Cordero Patterson going on the IR. I think those are your two top options. Um, and you may want to see what happens with the Colts. So if Taylor doesn't play this week, you might go after Naeem Hines. Uh, if Hines is available, most leagues he's already uh, rostered. Um, Deion Jackson would be the other alternative there. I, you're going to have to dig in the corners a little bit here and try to find somebody. Jeff Erickson, Rotowire senior editor, host of Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today on Sirius XM, joining us here on the big show, Russing and Rose. Sportsnet 960. Um, do you believe Saquon Barkley can maintain this level the rest of the season? Because that's all we heard about heading into the year. He says he's healthy for the first time in forever. He's shredded. He's ripped. Uh, you got Brian Dayball there. Are you definitely buying into Saquon Barkley? And is that guy, I know it, I know the value is probably high, but are, are you trading for Saquon Barkley or your Saquon Barkley owner? Maybe now is the time to trade him. I'm buying into it. You know, Saquon Barkley leads all running backs in scoring right now. Uh, however, um, the he, this is the lowest output for RB1 through four games of the season since 1997 by a significant margin. Usually the RB1 at this point in time has about 100. This is in PPR leagues, has about 105 fantasy points. He's got like 85, but that's, it just shows how hard it is right now for fantasy running backs. Uh, but he looks good. He looks like he can carry a load. Now, the thing I'm worried about a little bit is, you know, the, the passing situation in, in the, the Giants is awful. Uh, and to that point, Daniel Jones is going to have uh, – he's got a bad ankle. Tyrod Taylor had a concussion. Barkley was taking snaps sometimes in this game last week. Uh, they play the Packers in London. That's going to be a tough matchup there. Uh, you can run the ball against the Packers. But uh, the Dolphins, he's going to face an eight-man box, much like he did against the Bears last week. It might be tough sledding. I think I'm – I don't think, again, this is probably a no action. If you have him, great. And he, his his manager probably isn't going to trade him uh, unless he exacts a mint from you. And I don't think uh, you should pay overpay for him. Um, you know, this is one of those where you're probably going to have to search around and find a different target. How do you look at the situation in Miami now knowing that, you know, Tua is going to be on the shelf for, we would assume, a little while here. A lot of uncertainty as to the timeline for, for his return. But how are right. you looking at the future for Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, any of the running backs that are existing in that Miami offense? Is there anyone in that group that you're maybe worried about that you maybe would try to do a little bit of a uh, maybe a sell-high opportunity here while you understand that Tua is going to be on the bench for a bit? I mean, if you, I, I saw a trade involving Waddle uh, that was a pretty good trade for, by his manager. So I think it's possible. Uh, you know, if you guys play like on a Yahoo League, one of the things they have is uh, they, they, they have you know, this, this trade register. Like if you can search for a player's, uh, a, your, that particular player, you can see what trades have been made by that player in the last 24 hours. It's a pretty cool feature. I, I, I often use that there to get a good, good gauge sometimes on what has happened uh, with that particular player. So, 
that's something that I would do a little bit there. So it's just it's uh, it, it, you go to their trade market uh, tool there, and you can search for the player, and you can see what what sort of trades have been made by that player or involving that player. Sometimes you'll see surprise. Like I saw a Tyree kill for uh, Damian Pierce. I, I would I, if I'm the Damian Pierce manager and I get Tyree kill. I'm all over that there. I think it's almost like people are panicking a little too much. Uh, speaking of panicking, uh, I drafted Kyle Pitts, and I'm sure a lot of people in fantasy football drafted Kyle Pitts. Uh, can, can you give me some reassurance here, Jeff, or we've seen enough? Like, it's time to cut bait on Kyle Pitts if you own him. Don't cut don't cut bait on him, but at the same time, I'm very worried about him, and it's partially because of who's at quarterback. Uh, I, I'm really worried about Mariota being able to sustain that sort of uh, workload, that that target, sh- that, the, those sort of targets. Uh, they they don't really want him to throw the ball. You saw how they closed out Cleveland. They just ran and ran and ran in the second half. And I think they had at one point 11 straight running plays. Uh, you know, it, there's just not the volume right now. I think what need, it needs to happen is for Atlanta to fall behind. They face uh, Tampa Bay in Tampa this week. I suspect this might be a diff- different sort of game flow, and if that's the case, uh, I, and you're not going to be able to run the ball very effectively against Tampa Bay. Most teams don't, at least. Uh, I, I think you may see a different sort of volume for Pitts. It's just the problem is you can't count on it week in, week out right now. I think, though, you have so much invested in him. I think you can get him a little bit on the cheap if you're trying to trade for him. It might be, again, no action. Like, Okay, well, you know, if you have them, I wouldn't try to. It's one of those where I wouldn't sell them because you're not going to get the right price. But I also don't think I'd go out of my way to go get them because I think he's kind of a a week to week proposition. One of the things that we saw this past weekend was Kenny Pickett take over for Mitch Trubisky, and Pickett was a you know a highly drafted quarterback. And I'm just wondering if there's any rookies that you're rook- looking around the league that you were maybe very excited for their season, but up to this point they've maybe been held back by their coaching staff. Are there any rookies that you were excited to pop that you haven't seen yet, but might still have some potential and, and perhaps are, are living on a waiver wire right now? Sure. Uh, I mean, you're always looking at the running back position there. Kenneth Walker, for instance, uh, Rashad Penny just went off, had a huge game against Detroit. Uh, and, and Penny's going to be the guy in the, in the short term. However, Walker was, you know, they spent a second, a second round pick on him. Uh, Seattle's a rebuilding team. Uh, I, I know they have two wins so far this season, but you know at the same time, this is not going to be a contender, I don't think. Uh, so you look at someone; he might be someone in the second half of the season. Uh, you can uh, he, he's going to start cutting into that workload share a little bit there. Uh, just you have to be patient with him. Is the problem? It's just you can't use him next week. And I know a lot of leagues by week starting week six, uh, roster spots are going to become finite. That's the tricky part. But what happens is you'll start to see maybe he gets cut by his fantasy manager. That's a good good time to swoop in and pick him up on. And if you've got the roster spot, and kind of bank on the upside long term. Jeff, there's a lot of big names on the New Orleans Saints offense. Do you want a part of any of them right now? Uh, Chris Olave, I do. Uh, but I, I've been all over Olave all season. I have him in a lot of leagues. Uh, he, he's really starting to earn that target share, no matter who the quarterback is. Uh, may, you know, made a really big catch uh, in the game, the London game this past week. Uh, really frustrating otherwise on this team. I mean, Camaro's rim injury has been a bit, big problem. You know, Thomas looked good until he got hurt with the foot injury, but that's always been the story with him the last three years is he's good when he's healthy, but the problem is when is he healthy? Wanted to also ask about Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had two good weeks in weeks two and three where I thought, 
I was looking at him on the waiver wire. I'm like, huh, maybe a streaming option, but then a bit of an egg in week four. Where are you at on Trevor Lawrence as he kind of comes into his own as an NFL quarterback? I would completely uh, treat week four as a wash. It was played in, a, in a, the remnants of Hurricane Ira. The, the conditions were terrible, and it was against a great defense in the Eagles. So uh, I com- ball security was a problem there. He fumbled a snap. He had he lost four fumbles and then had that one killer pick. But um, I, I still think he's a streaming option. I think he's a bye week option. And in some cases, uh, if you lost your starter, if you say if you're the DAC manager, I would have been happy starting Lawrence. Uh, I think uh, he gets well this week. Home game against Houston. Uh, completely right off uh, last week's outing. All right, Jeff, uh, just, just to help out our listeners before we let you go, just give us a quick little cheat sheet on who we should be targeting on the waiver wire. Okay, so, uh, you know, the big names this week at running back are going to be Mike Boone, uh, Tyler Algier, uh, try to step in for the injured uh, players on their respective teams. Uh, Kenny Pickett, if you're in a uh, QB flex league, uh, you can go ahead and use him this week. Although it's a tough matchup at Buffalo. It's not going to be a good game for him, but I think he's going to be the guy the rest of the year. Uh, if you're trying to look ahead in the future, uh, we mentioned Mariota. Um, and they're not going to make any change. They just come, are just coming off and win this past week, but they won despite despite Mariota, not because of him. He only connected on seven passes. So Desmond Ritter is someone I keep keep an eye on there. If you can kind of be patient, play the long game with that there. Uh, I, at wide receiver, it's always tough to find a good receiver off the waiver wire. Uh, I don't think there's too many good options, but George Pickens is available in some places there. So um, if so, go after him. Jeff Erickson, Rotowire Senior Editor, host of Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today for Sirius XM. Great stuff, Jeff. Thanks for this. Anytime. Thanks, George. Thanks, Matt. There you go. Fantasy advice. I hope I'll win again. Okay. That's all I can hope for moving forward. I got to make some changes. I had a league where I had Patterson go down, so that's not great. What What is worse? Um guy who talks about his fantasy football team and his bad beats mm. poker bad beat guy mm-hmm. or uh bad swing golf guy excuse golf guy on the course Ooh, the ball's in a divot that's unlucky for me couldn't you get would, a good i have a friend who's all three of those guys wrapped no in way one. oh i sure do and he knows i'm talking about him right now he can do all of it Complain about his fantasy team without yep. a doubt. And nobody cares about that. Oh, he's got a list of excuses that's longer than the Bible. Mm. And uh, what was the third one? Golf guy. Like excuse on yeah, the golf Yeah, so course. he's got lots of excuses on the golf course. Bad beat poker guy. Yeah. And, I can't believe he called me and then I got river. Yeah, and he can be like that as well when mm. playing poker. He is the trifecta. Okay, wow. That's a handful. Yeah, I don't know why we're such good friends, actually. Yeah, well, you bring that up. Maybe that's more you. Uh, you are a reflection of your friends. Do you know that? I, you do now. I now, now know that. Uh, speaking of friends, yeah. um, the mayor you and I? I think we're oh. getting there. And in, 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 in like stepbrothers. Did we just become best friends? We'll go to karate in the garage? <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of friends, um, Guy Fieri, uh, the mayor of Flavortown. Yo. Uh, over this past weekend... He got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, Flavortown. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, he's done a lot of shows. Yeah, Triple D. Yep, diners, dive-ins, and dives. Yeah, and what else is he? He's on the Food Network a lot. Yeah, Guy's Grocery Games. Yeah, Guy's Grocery Games, yeah. Have you watched that? 
No, I just know okay. the title. All right, that's very good. It's actually a fun, fun show. Okay, wow. The more Thanks, you know. Pa- wow. Thanks, Patrick. Big food reality show guy. So apparently, um, he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and they mm-hmm. asked him, well, what are you going to do to celebrate? Uh, do you want to have a luncheon after your star? Guy Fieri's like, quote, what's a luncheon? I don't want an effing luncheon. I want a rager. I want a kegger. Let's do something big. I'm really serious. So Guy Fieri was ready to really get after Pop it. off. Yeah, like I, I got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm going to be, is this the best? Here goes the bender. So apparently um, he loaded up 10 of his best friends. Uh-huh. They went down to the tattoo shop. Oh. And they had to get star tattoos. Now, if first of all, if you're rolling with Guy Fieri's entourage, I don't think he's buying you a Rolex. I don't think your drip is too impressive if you're rolling with the mayor of Flavortown. Mm-hmm. But let's say uh, you're partying with Guy Fieri, uh, shotgunning beers all day off a of kegger, and then he says, let's jump in the car. We're going to get star tattoos. We're going to get my star tattooed. Yeah. Now, two questions. Okay. Uh, would you do it, number one? And number two, where are you getting the Guy Fieri star tattoo? Would I do it? Um, I don't have any tattoos right now. Okay. I thought about getting tattoos, but every time I do, I get afraid of the consequences of having them for the rest of my life. Right. Uh, and I don't. So, I don't know. Depends on how... How tight you are with the guy? party is. Yeah, how tight I am with Guy. Mm-hmm. How, like, how much of a leech am I in the entourage? Like, do I have my own job? You're his right-hand man. Okay, yeah, then like I'm doing you, it. Like, you, you, you carry a lint brush. You have I'm basically an umbrella his assistant. and his son. Yeah. Like, for the son. Like, you have... Then, you yes. can't go a day without eating one of his artisan grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> like, that's how close you are to Guy Fieri. Then yeah, so where I'm are you probably getting, getting the tattoo. Where are you getting it though? Mm, now that's another interesting question. Probably somewhere where I actually, you know what? If I'm in his entourage, I assume I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Um, which so is awesome to begin with. I'm going to say maybe a bicep or maybe a calf. Okay. So that because I'm in Flavor Town, it's always suns out, guns out. Yeah. So people will be able to see it up on the on the gun. Yeah. The bicep or on the calf because I would just be. Rocking around with these puppies out. The correct answer is there's only one spot to get a Guy Fieri star tattoo. Is it around your eye? No, it's at the small of your back. They call That's... it a something stamp. It's not, it's escaping me right now. It's a... um... Yeah, that's where you get a Guy Fieri tattoo. That's... Right there. It's a... And a giant Guy Fieri star tattoo. Correct. And he has 10 people rolling in his entourage. Does Guy Fieri really need 10 people? Is he that famous? I think he is. Like what do you really? think? Guy, what do you think Guy Fieri's net worth is? I don't know. It's fifty mil. Did it's you gotta, just look that up? It's got to be more than that. It's got to be way more. Okay, than that. that's great. But yeah, rolling fifty with, million. Wow, rolling yeah. with Guy Fieri. I am on board though with the city of Columbus trying to have a petition to change Columbus to Flavortown. Flavortown, in honor of Guy Fieri, who's from there. That's a passport to Flavortown right there. Yeah. <laughs> what would be your like? We know he's the mayor of Flavortown. What would your thing be for Calgary? What would you be, Matt Rose? Because you're such a proud What am Galgarian. I of Calgary? Yeah. Uh, village idiot? Is okay. That, would that suffice? Court jester. Just court jester? That's kind. The Thank court you. Court jester Appreciate of that, Calgary. Petty Dumas. Yeah. That's not bad. Um, frivolous booze bag? All right. Uh, of Calgary. Yeah. It's not bad. But yeah, I, that's probably be it. 
the Great Wanderer. Okay. I wander a lot downtown, I guess. All right. Yeah. I like all of those. But it has to be something with a C, I think. Mm. It has to flow. It has to flow. It has to flow. You know what else has been flowing in? Text messages. All day. About our, about our topic this morning. What is the best part about Calgary sports fans, and what is the worst part? about Calgary sports fans. 960-960 on the text line. Name and location, please. We're going to read your text messages. And what the hell? Do you want to open up the phone lines? Yeah, I do. What's the best part? Because I want to hear. Well, you don't really have a choice. What's the best part about Calgary sports fans? What's the worst part? 403-240-4444. 403-240-4443. Star 960 on your Rogers mobile device, too. We'll take some of your calls. We'll read some of your text messages. We'll have a little fun before we get to Flames GM Brad Living, which we'll have fun with him anyway, but he'll join us at 8.30. One more hour to go. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960.